Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Before we start this week's podcast, a big thank you to ELM Legal Services, who are based in Bristol and provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. You can get a standard single will for £99. If you'd like to get in touch, call them 0800 019 Welcome along to Robins on the Wild with myself, Michelle Owen, and Gregor McGregor. And today on the podcast, we will be discussing a bad week overall for Bristol City last week. How and if they can bounce back against Aston Villa this Friday. Also, we'll be hearing from a player who was part of Bristol City's academy and he's gone on to do some pretty interesting things. Gregor caught up with him today in Bristol. As well as that, we'll hear from Lee Johnson after the game against Wigan. Uh, well, Gregor, you were there. You were at Wigan on Friday night. I watched on the telly. And by all accounts, watching it, it was pretty dire, wasn't it? It was dire. It wasn't a great match to watch. I think it was only three or maximum four shots on target the entire game. But Bristol City didn't play very well. But I don't think... Well, obviously Wigan didn't play that well either. Mm. And yeah, it was going to be a case of whoever scored the first goal won it. And unfortunately Wigan did that. I was a bit disappointed that... City couldn't grit it out and maybe get at least a nil-nil draw, you know, just slug away and it becomes one of those boring stalemates. But, yeah, I, I suppose they've had a good start to the season overall and they slipped down to eighth at, at the time of speaking. Um, but yeah, yeah, but they have had a good start overall, definitely. But we knew that last week would be a big week. Nine points up for grabs. I only came away with a possible three and... You know, when we spoke about the performance against Sheffield United last week, we were largely positive about it, even though it was one of them I think they had to sort of find another way. Then we spoke after West Brom and about how open that game was, and I think you can sort of let that one slide, because at least there were some positives to take from it. But Friday was just really uninspiring, and there was just nothing, there was no spark. Over 500 fans went up to Wigan to watch that, and that's what they were met with. We'll hear from Lee Johnson in just a second, but what do you think that was, Gregor? What went wrong? Um, it's it's tough to put your finger on it, really. Fair play to the fans who made their way there. I mean, obviously, I was up there as well, and it was an absolute nightmare getting up there. There's so many roadworks on the M5, M6. My colleague was joining us, and yeah, he, he, he didn't get up there until pretty late because of the same reason. The traffic was abysmal, and yeah, it was terrible weather as well. And regarding the game. You just get those games, and I think both teams cancelled each other out. I I don't think there's too much between the sides. I don't think you should go too overboard on this game in terms of that it was a poor Bristol City performance. I don't, I don't actually agree with that. I don't think I don't think it, yeah it wasn't okay a great Bristol City performance, but it wasn't a great performance by Wigan. It was just a all round rubbish game. Mm. But there wasn't a big difference between the two sides, and I'd argue in fact that Bristol City had the better chances. I mean Andy Wyman was clean through in the first mm. half. And that chance for Famaro Jeju right at oh, the end of the game. Got to score that, that. That, that chance oh. is the equivalent of Nick Powell's. There, there, but there's no very little difference between how good those chances were, those openings. But the difference is Powell took his, um, Deju didn't. Can't blame Deju because he's, he's he's scored a couple of goals this season. He'll, he'll score more. Um, that's just football, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's hear what Lee Johnson thought after the game. And there was a big challenge that some people were questioning that it was Joe Gardner did in the first half, didn't he, on Adam Webster. Uh, let's first of all get his thoughts on that. This was Lee Johnson speaking after the Wigan game. Well, I know what he's like. And, uh, you know what I mean, I played against him as a player and as a, 
as a coach a number of times he's that sort of player that you want him on the team for that exact reason but sometimes it goes over the edge whether or not that went over the edge today I'll let you decide you feel they should have taken chances in the first half lead in my opinion? Yeah, of course. Do you know what I mean? There's, we go through one on one with the keeper. I think uh, Famara had the opportunity to slip Vyman for uh, an easy goal, if you like. Even second half, I think Webby could have uh, played Vyman for an easy goal, and, and Famara's probably got to do better with a header late on. But then um, it just wasn't enough from us, really. And uh, it is frustrating because. We've got the boys have got to look themselves really in the mirror and ask why, because whether that's preparation, I don't know. Um, but we was out for an out thought today. You said you were embarrassed, I think, on Sky as a team. Is that right? I was a little bit embarrassed. Yeah, I was because I didn't think we showed our identity, and uh, I think a big part of our club is our identity. Do you know what I mean? And I get, I think about things like our academy players watching that performance, you know, and I, and I try and encourage our younger players to, to watch first-team games and to learn off the senior players. But I wouldn't have wanted them to uh, learn an awful lot today. Gregor, it's not often you hear a manager come out and say that they're embarrassed by their size performance. You're being a, a little bit kinder by saying neither team set the world alight, but was Lee Johnson right to say those strong words? And do you think he's saying them maybe to galvanise his players a little bit as well? Yeah, good point. I think maybe a bit of both there. Yes, the players were lacking in some regards. And yes, he's, he's maybe gone over the top a little bit with the criticism, but maybe he's trying to make a point to his squad. I don't think, I just think you get games like that across the season. I don't think you can blame the players too much. Yes, okay, they could put in a little bit more. And sometimes it really is the finest of margins, you know, you really got to put in 100% all game. But yeah, I, I just think there's more to come from City. And let's be honest, Wigan haven't lost at home this season yet. Um, they're coming off the back of a, a good season last year. It's going to be plenty of teams dropping points. So, yeah, as a, well, and they also beat Man City, didn't they, last season in the FA Cup? So they're obviously a good side. Paul Cook's got them doing some good stuff. I think there'll be plenty of teams cause problems, and uh, I, don't, I wouldn't worry about that too much. Well, attention next turns to Aston Villa, which is Friday night at Ashton Gate. We know the Bristol Bears are playing on Saturday, but I thought that football got first dibs on the fixtures. Am I wrong? What's happened here? They do, yeah. I mean, we we put up a piece about what the official position from the club is on it and as I understand it um, the, basically the football club has requested to move the match here so they could have played on the Saturday if they wanted to and the rugby I, I assume would have had to have moved but um, they've obviously factored in that um, they get an extra day's rest I believe if they play on the Friday because they've got the Wednesday game against uh, Rotherham haven't they mm. I think that might have something to do with it and uh, all in all, it kind of suits everybody at the club, um, and, but maybe not the fans so much. Yeah, but why uh, are they playing on funny. the Sunday, the week after? Uh, yeah, I'm not too sure. Maybe the same, maybe the same answer to, to that it's one. Interesting. That is interesting. Uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty of Villa, a big injury worry coming away from the Wigan game was what happened to Thomas Callis clashing with his own player Marley Watkins transpires he has a broken jaw going to be out until November how big a loss is this Gregor? Yeah huge loss um, I've just been writing today though that 
I'm not entirely convinced that Callas was in the best form for those two games. I thought Bristol City looked a little bit shaky at the back. And mm. yes, he has been brilliant. Yes, he is key. Um, but if he had a little wobble, you'd completely understand that because he's only been at the club for, what, five games so far. Mm. And that's a whole new back five, said it before. Goalkeeper, Lloyd Kelly wasn't playing regularly last season. So there's going to be um, a certain amount of gelling needed. Those guys um, are going to have to bond a bit. And that's what last week was about a little bit, I think, going away and uh, spending loads of time together and bonding. And um, yeah, I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll get better and more cohesive. Uh, but yes, he's, he's a big blow. But again, it's not the worst timing with Nathan Baker back. He obviously came on for the final 10 minutes of Wigan. And Bailey Wright, I understand, is uh, very close to rejoining first team training if he hasn't done already. So this could be an opportunity for Bailey Wright and Nathan Baker, couldn't it? Canas being out. Exactly. And Nathan Baker is going to have huge motivation, isn't he, this, this weekend for uh, the Villa game? Yeah, that brings us nicely on to the Villa game. Uh, we'll just talk about some of those intriguing concerns a bit more after we've discussed this. Andreas Weiman and Nathan Baker against Nathan Baker against his boyhood club, Aston Villa. And he came to Ashton Gate last summer. It seemed that he was surplus to requirements at Aston Villa. Now, how do you feel about um, players celebrating against their old clubs? Do you think they should or do you think they shouldn't? Because if Nathan Baker's up from a corner and he heads one home, should he celebrate? Yeah, absolutely. I'd... I'd like to see players celebrate and I, I think if you're a fan and you give out stick then you should be able to take it back and uh, the one that sticks out for me is that Adebayo one from a few years ago at Man City when, oh, yeah. when he scored against Arsenal that might, that might have almost incited a riot but um, yeah if you can't if you can't take it back then uh, don't give it out so uh, yeah I'd, I'd like to see Nathan if he did score then yeah he should celebrate full tilt right in front of the Atio Perhaps more likely is Andres Feynman scoring because he is playing up front at the moment. Uh, two ex-Villa players came, coming up against their old club, but one man returning to Ashton Gate who has been a fan favourite, Tammy Abraham. And there was lots of talk on social media. Could he be coming back in the summer? We always knew it was fairly unlikely. But he did go to a championship club. He went to Villa. Uh, is he going to play, do you think, on Friday? Oh, he'll definitely play. Uh, um, he scored recently, didn't he? But not, I don't think, last weekend against Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, no, he didn't, in fact. It was John McGinn, wasn't it? Like yeah, it's that. a beautiful goal. Amazing goal, yeah. yeah. Um, but he scored in the game before that, I believe. And, yeah, he's, he's a quality player. So um, it was interesting because I was listening to his... Um, Interviews as he as he draw, as he joined Aston Villa recently, and he was paying tribute to Jonathan Codger, who set him up for his his first senior professional goal in league football. Um, obviously, when he was at Ashton Gate, and he was paying tribute to uh, Codger and saying how much he was looking forward to playing up front with him. I'm not sure if the two of them will start together because Steve Bruce, whenever I've watched Villa, has played more of a sort of four three three. Um, so we'll have to see if the two of those do play. But that could be a heck of a front line, couldn't it? If uh, Doma and Balassi play. That's scary, isn't it? Grealish behind, who's obviously just... Decided signed his new five-year deal, over yeah. yeah. So he'll be uh, rejuvenated, you'd think. But when you look at Jonathan Codger and Tammy Abram going to Villa, are they sort of ones that got away or were they always... You know, I know Tammy Abram was only a loan deal, but was Codger always going to leave, do you think? And also, could Bristol City have got Tammy Abraham back in the summer? Given they do have this good relationship with Chelsea, they've got Callas. Yeah, I, I just think where Bristol City are at at the moment, it was always going to be tough to keep hold of Jonathan Codger. And if you look at the money involved and how Jonathan's been doing at Aston Villa... This is maybe a bit mischievous. Then maybe, um, maybe Bristol City haven't done too badly there. <laughs> yeah. 
And also, you have to remember that £15 million was ploughed back into the club mostly on on uh, players who haven't worked out, maybe. Uh, but no, I, I think um, that, that money has proven useful for maybe a couple of transfers. Not every transfer works out, but they have brought in players off the back of it um, and built around it. And sometimes you need to do that. I, th- I think... It does suit actually teams to sometimes sell a big player, get a big fee in, and then use that to reinforce the squad elsewhere. Just on on Tammy, he was saying when he signed for Villa that yes, there were other Championship sides in for him, and um, he decided fairly early on. He said with his words that he wanted to go to Aston Villa. I know they've made a quite a big thing of this up at Aston Villa, haven't they? That he's good friends with Jack Grealish, and he was saying how the two of them had been messaging each other. So, um, and given with Tammy, I do think there is some sort of politics at play there in terms of there was, we've discussed this before, Premier League interest in him. Uh, and he, he did explain in his interview at Villa that the reason he'd stayed at Chelsea all summer was that he'd been told originally he was going to be... He's going to have a shot, wasn't he? He was going to be involved. And then it looks like basically he was told at the end of the summer, no, you're not, you need to go out and play football. So It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, and whose fault is that? It's... Well, it's not Tammy's fault, is it? You know, you're staying there in good faith thinking you're going to be in the in the match day squad and, and you're not. Yeah, it's, it's a shame that he didn't come back to Bristol City, but like you say, I think there was more at work there. So Aston Villa in pretty poor form at the moment, aren't they, Gregor? They are. One win in just eight games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's going to be a heck of a game on Friday night, isn't it, for both sides? I, I, I think this is an opportunity for Bristol City. If they can really get one over on Villa, they can sort of, basically keep them down there, can't they? I mean, Steve Bruce would be under huge pressure. If this is mad, right? Let's talk about this. Steve Bruce being under huge pressure. Steve Bruce, last season, got Aston Villa to the playoffs. And through the summer, there was so much uncertainty about his future because Thierry Henry was being linked with the club. Finally, the owners, the new owners, went and spoke to him and said, no, we'll, we'll keep you. Now, just a few games later... Again, he's under this massive scrutiny, mainly from the Aston Villa fans, mainly on social media. But Steve Bruce has a record. He gets sides promoted and you can't look past that. I think a few people have said, I know I was speaking to Lee Hendry about this, former Aston Villa player, and he said, well, who else would you bring in? Now, I hear what he's saying there, but then again, where did Nuno Espirito Santo come from when he went to Wolves? You know, I can sense the fans' frustration that they think there might be someone else out there that can do a better job, but... You know, looking from the Bristol City perspective, they stuck by Lee Johnson through that terrible, terrible run two seasons ago. And last season, he delivered a phenomenal cup run and almost the playoffs. Yeah. Well, are, we, are we too impatient? Really good point. And yeah, I mean, from what I know of the Villa situation, from speaking up to people up there, is they want a bit of stability after everything that's happened. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Steve Bruce is going to go. But... The longer these runs go on, you know, and everything, then then the questions keep getting asked, and yeah, the the momentum grows in the crowd for a change. Did but, you did you come in and cover Bristol City just after Lee Johnson's terrible run? Is that when you began? Yeah, just yeah. after. Yeah. See, he probably quite likes you because you weren't here for the bad run. But <laughs> you know, he had bad runs last year, but it was what was it? I don't know, nine or maybe more games without a win or nine losses in a row, and we had to keep going and asking him, you know, does he feel he's still got his job and it was quite phenomenal for a club to stick by a manager that had lost that many games in a row, wasn't it? Club record, yeah, absolutely. And especially as he had a club record at Oldham as well. Yeah. <laughs> of uh, defeats. Um, yeah, and, and he's had fallow patches at every club. And I think that's a maybe a, another conversation. But 
yeah, whether Lee can sort of turn those inconsistent periods around um, to have a bit more consistency in his results. And I'm sure that'll come eventually. Um, yeah, that's, that's maybe something for another podcast. Yeah, I think the thing with sticking by managers in this day and age is that it's so rare, isn't it? Just to quickly close up on this point. And you say Lee Johnson's had fallow patches at every club. Yes, he has. But it's often that managers aren't allowed to work through those fallow patches. They're not allowed to come out the other side when maybe they'll learn even more from it. Yeah, you, there's a really good book on this. I don't know if you ever read um, Soconomics, where they like looked at big data, lots of results in a massive batch. And um, basically they found that changing the manager didn't actually have a knock-on effect to results. Most of the time, if you stayed with the same manager, it had just the same no better, no worse effects. So you might get that new, new manager bounce, as they say, but ultimately it, it makes you no better off. It's phenomenal. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on this one because Steve Reese will be at Ashton Gate on Friday evening. Gregor, can I get a score prediction out of you about how this one's going to go? Yep, I'm going to go 1 0 Bristol City Wyman. Okay, against his old club. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, Jonathan Codry coming back, Tammy Abram coming up to Ashton Gate. Who have I missed? Have I missed anyone in the Aston Villa ranks? Doma. Did you say him? Uh, no, I did not say Albert Adoma. Adoma, there's four is now Adoma, Balassi. Ah, oh, yeah. And, yeah, Kodja and so they've all Yeah, they've all been Bristol City players. It's going to be fascinating to see how this turns out on Friday night. Today, Gregor has been embracing his youthful side and getting into the world of YouTube. Now, Gregor, I feel like we are almost, without sounding old here, we're almost the generation that missed this YouTube boom where YouTubers have become rich, they've become famous... And so many people subscribe to them. So we thought we'd get one on the podcast that has a big Bristol City background. Um, I'm talking about Jamel15. That's his YouTube channel. Gregor, tell us a bit more about him before we hear your chat. So yeah, caught up with Jamel today. It was great to meet him. And he used to be at Bristol City, in fact. He was in the academy there from 12 to 14. He, he was telling me about his time there and I was asking him about some of the players he played alongside, such as Bobby Reed. And um, yeah, the story of Jamel is, is fantastic and this is what I particularly like about it is that basically he got released and um, obviously there's a lot of players out there who do get released, who have trials, don't make it that far or make it into the academy but then get released. And Jamel is one. But he's gone out and he's, he's getting success now as a YouTuber and he's doing phenomenally well for himself. And I think he's a real inspiration for young people around Bristol as well. And I know a lot of people look up to him and say, wow, that, that's amazing what you're doing. And yeah, you can check him out on his YouTube channel. Um, ask your sons if, you, if you've got, <laughs> or your got one about your yeah, daughter. Sorry about, about that. And yeah, he's big on social media, um, huge um, social media profile. And he also, interestingly... He's been playing for this new football team called Hashtag United. Now, a lot of younger younger people will have heard about them, maybe less so the older <laughs> fans. Um, but basically, this is a team of YouTubers who've come together, basically being managed by a huge YouTuber called Spencer Owen, if anybody knows him. And these are basically social media kind of celebrities, and they've... They've been playing games for a while as this team, Hashtag United, almost like a, a Harlem Globetrotters kind of style, taking on invitational sides. However, they've now joined the English leagues properly, and I believe they're six tiers below the um, the football league. So, 
Yeah, but but they're having a really good time at the moment. They're getting good results. They've, they've I think they've won five or six games on a trot mm-hmm. now. And if they keep progressing like they have done... Hey, it could be the know. new Salford. Yeah, well. yeah exactly. It could, <laughs> could be another one of those teams like that. And I wouldn't bet against these guys because they've had success in everything they've done so far. Jamel's part of that setup. He He's had to travel from Bristol to London just to do training and wow. play in matches. Um, so it's a heck of a commute for him. And, um, yeah, basically I wanted to hear his story. Jamel, um, I read about you in 442 mm-hmm. uh, and you were... I think doing trials a year ago with Hashtag United. Yeah. How has that gone and are you still playing with those guys? Yeah, so I I signed up to the trials after watching one of Spencer's videos. Um, I, I quickly breezed past it. I saw it on the subscription page and I thought, okay, I'll give this a go. Probably wouldn't get a chance to really trial because I'm already a YouTuber. But luckily for me, I got a response like at 1 a.m. in the morning. So I went down to London, stayed over at a hotel, went to the trials. It was weird because... I saw like there were fans there of me at the trial, so it was really strange. Um, and then trying, I didn't think I did very well on the day, but I was able to progress through, and I made it to the final four because I wouldn't have been able to win it because I'm already a YouTuber, and the final was to a voting system. And me having a following already, you could say it would have been a bit compromised because I already have an audience. But I was able to sign with hashtag about two weeks later anyway, so. You know, good. Uh, there was a silver lining. Great, and and the story of hashtag United is an incredible one. Uh, yeah, in a few years' time, if they keep progressing, they could be in the football league, and you could be involved with that. I guess. Yeah, so. yeah I think it's amazing how hashtag's gone from you know some would say uh, a a a made-up league to now a real league. People have been asking how would hashtag do in a real league situation, and now we're comp- competing in that and doing really well. Yeah, in years to come, you never know. There is no limit with hashtag, to be honest. I think it has the right people behind it, and it'd be amazing to see it in a league, you know. Yeah, it'd be amazing to see it start from YouTube, and then it would open the doors for other opportunities like that with other teams. It would, yeah, it would inspire a lot of other people to try and do the same thing. We've just been talking about him anyway, but Spencer Owen is a huge guy on the YouTubing and and football network. I I think you know him quite well, and is he uh, an inspiration of yours? Yeah, he is. It's crazy watching going back and watching Spencer's old videos and then I was on the trial and I spoke to him briefly and then being becoming a part of Hashtag and we're friends now because uh, Hashtag is very much a family thing so it's, 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 it's crazy going from sitting behind a desk watching his content and then being his friend and yeah he's, he's a hard working guy he knows what he wants he knows how to get it and if there's an obstacle in his way he's, he's, he's smart enough to find a route round to kind of you know get from point A to point B yeah, he's a he's a very um, he's a genius in the YouTube world, hundred percent. Jamel, I would dare say that you are probably quite a big inspiration for a lot of young people around Bristol as well. How do, how do you deal with that? I never really think about it, to be honest. I don't like it's, it's something that never really crosses my mind. I don't, I never think people would really look up to me. I'm just a guy on YouTube that makes very strange, random content at times, talking to people in a night out, football content here and there, and. Um, Tinder videos and whatever else I could think of that's just random and entertaining. So for people to look up to, it's strange. It's a it's a, it's a strange feeling um, until I meet fans and they really watch my they really appreciate the content I make. But yeah, it's, it's nice to know. And obviously, you're a proud Bristolian, I think, and uh, and 
What's your background in football around these parts, Jamel? Am I right thinking you were at the Bristol City Academy? Yeah, so I um, started off at Bristol City Academy. I, was, I got um, released at like 14, 15, then went on to... Um, during my school time, I played for as well um, Bristol Boys, which is like county level, uh, representing the county. And then during college, was the Bristol Academy of Sport. When I first joined the college, they were still connected to Bristol Rovers. And then um, after that, I had a trial at Luton and a trial at Cheltenham for a short, short, short time as well. But I've always been around a high-level football kind of thing, so I, I kind of know what the standard needs to be like, or what what, what's expected, to be honest. How, how did you deal with being released from the Bristol City Academy when you were, what, 14 years of age? I would expect that's obviously quite difficult to come to terms with. Yeah, I cried. Um, I was in the car with my dad. I cried. They spoke to my dad, and I knew what the conversation was about. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy to digest, but I got over it maybe a week or two and kind of got on with it again. Football's one of those things where it's, it's all about opinions. To one coach, you're not the right thing. To another coach, you're everything that the team's been missing. So, you know, you just kind of get on with it. And being in the City Academy, did you play with any of the guys that are there now or are they all left? Um, when, I was, when I was a lot younger, we trained at the City Academy school on the AstroTurf at the time. And I know Bobby Reed was there. Bobby was a lot smaller then as well. But I've known Bobby since. I know we used to go to the same adventure playground in Easton. Um, he used to have like his massive hair buns like Mickey Mouse. Um, we have a lot of mutual friends as well. So like, me, I wouldn't say me and Bobby are like directly friends. But whenever we see each other, we're cool. Um, when we're on PlayStation talking on the chat, he's in the chat. Um, we have a lot of the same mutual friends, so it's good to see. When we see other people that we know doing well, we, we, we cheer each other on kind of thing. It's all love anyway, so... Who's, who's the better at Fortnite or not, FIFA? Yeah, Bob, Bobby's not very good at Fortnite. You know, that, that's just what I've heard. That's what I've heard. He's just not very good. Um, but, you know, also... Um, I, I haven't seen him at FIFA yet, so I'd have to play him. I have to, I have to, I have to play him. And Jamel, just finally, what, what are your plans for the future? Are you going to be making that trek across to London and, and playing for Hashtag a bit more or, or concentrating more on the YouTube stuff over here? Or? Um, I'd still, I still very much want to play for Hashtag. Out of, all the enti- out of the entire squad, I live the furthest away, so getting to training from Bristol is, is, is quite a trek kind of thing, so I try to make it whenever I can. But yeah, I still very much want to play and be a part of the team. I love playing football, and I don't want my Hashtag journey to end anytime soon, so I can still do my Jamel one five and still play for hashtag at the same time Jamel it's been great to talk to you and it's a fantastic story for Bristolians as well so uh, yeah. thanks very much no problem at all no problem thank you brilliant hearing from Jamel there and if you want to find him on YouTube and uh, follow him on social media just go on YouTube he is Jamel one five and yeah I wouldn't bet against hashtag United they signed that they might rise up the leagues and also um, I thought you might come back with a free copy of FIFA for me so we could have a game Gregor but nothing no chance no, no chance. chance at all uh, I'd like to give him a game maybe he'd give me a free copy <laughs> who wants to give me a copy of FIFA 19 anyway uh, I digress let's talk about the new training facilities we haven't really touched upon this too much apart from when it was approved the other week we know that's going to be a massive um Improvement on what there is at Fed at the moment. We've seen it. I just wondered, Gregor, I know uh, we had one of the journalists from the Bristol Post come on and talk about it two weeks ago. Do we know sort of timescales when this is going to be in place for? Because it's going to have a big impact on recruiting players. No, not at the moment. Um, but yeah, huge, absolutely huge. Not just recruiting players, retaining players, but I, th- I think possibly the biggest thing is moving the academy over to uh, over to Feyland. Because if you think about it, just the young players being yeah. able to see the likes of the sort of Lloyd Kelly, how they prepare for a match, their professionalism, those kind of things. Hopefully that rubs off all the way through the club. 
And um, I know that Bristol City have got some real talent in the, the lower ranks at the moment. They've had a couple of really great results, by the mm. way, mm. at academy level. They beat Cardiff the other week, who were unbeaten up to that point. And they did that with a much younger side than Craig Bellamy's side put out. And, um, yeah, moving these guys up to Feyland with a senior side is is only going to help things. And, and hopefully we'll see um, a few more of these starlets making their way into the, into the senior side proper. And the new facilities around Ashton Gate, there's going to be a permanent home for the Bristol Flyers, a big hotel as well. How will this affect Bristol City Football Club? Uh, again, I think this is really good news. Um, I have to stress that I've been discussing this and saying that Obviously, these are proposals and it's now up for public consultation mm-hmm. and quite often these projects do get dialed back depending on what the council comes back with or the budget, the public in this, obviously in this case here, and objections, etc. But yeah, the plans look great and they should have a, a really good effect in terms of bringing in more money to, to Bristol Sport and, and through to Bristol City as well. Um, obviously, there's, a, there's an issue in, in terms of dialing back the, the, the football club to a, to a small extent. But I don't prescribe to that. I see this as a, one big project and basically Bristol as, as a whole should benefit here. It's, it's bringing in money and jobs and, yeah, I just think it's going to help revitalise, regenerate the entire area really and hopefully, hopefully, touch wood, put Bristol on the sporting map once for, for once. Well, we touched the wood, so fingers crossed. Uh, Gregor, thank you for your time. Big game on Friday against Aston Villa. Uh, we will be reflecting on that in next week's podcast. Of course, there's another game next week to Rotherham. There is, yeah. So I just wanted to add one thing, just in case I don't want to plug myself here. Go on. Because um, if anybody wants to listen to me um, and you're a Bristol City fan, I'm speaking at the Senior Reds Lunch at Ashton Gate on Thursday. Well, maybe our podcast listeners will be there. They might stop for a selfie, Gregor, you know. Uh, Enjoy that and uh, we'll be back next week looking back on the Villa game and depending on when we're able to get it to you, looking forward to Rotherham and the Sunday game as well when they play Sheffield Wednesday. So we'll be back for those games and then it's the international break already. So we'll be back next week. Gregor, thank you for your time. And if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us. This podcast was sponsored by ELM Legal Services based in Bristol who provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. A standard single will is £99. You can call them on 0800 019 4557. Robins on the Wire.